You're listening to highlights from One Planet podcast interview with Odin Galler, a professor of economics at Brown University and the founding thinker behind Unified Growth Theory. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. So the journey of humanity explores the evolution of human societies since the emergence of Homo sapiens in Africa nearly 300,000 years ago. It resolves two of the most fundamental mysteries that surround this journey. A mystery of growth, namely what are the roots of the dramatic transformation in living standards in the past 200 years after hundreds of thousands of years of near stagnation, and the mystery of inequality, namely what is the origin of the vast inequality in living standards across countries and regions of the world. Ever since the development of the first stone stone cutting tool, technological advancement failed to generate long-term betterment in the material well-being of the population. Technological progress unfailingly generated a larger population, mandating that the bounty of progress had to be divided among growing number of souls. Innovations foster economic prosperity for a few generations, but ultimately, population growth brought living conditions back towards subsistence levels. For millennia, the wheels of change, the reinforcing interplay between technological progress and the size and the composition of the human population turned at an ever-increasing pace until eventually a tipping point was reached, unleashing the rapid technological progress of the Industrial Revolution. The increasing demand for educated workers who could navigate this rapidly changing technological environment provided parents with a greater incentive to invest in the education of their children instead of giving birth to additional ones, triggering a fertility decline. Living standards improve without being swiftly counterbalanced by population growth and thus began the long-term rise in human prosperity. However, when prosperity skyrocketed in recent centuries, it did so earlier in some parts of the world, triggering a second major transformation, the emergence of immense inequality across societies, institutional, cultural, geographical, and societal characteristics that emerge in the distant past, propel societies on their distinct historical trajectories, influencing the timing of their escape from the epoch of stagnation and contributed to the gap in the wealth of nations. So the basic premise of unified growth theory is that much of the inequality that we observe today across the globe is originated in factors that operated in the distant past, hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, and even tens of thousands of years ago. And as a result of it, the basic premise of unified growth theory is that if we would like to understand inequality today, we have to form a unified theory that will link events that occurred in the distant past to events that are occurring today. So rather than developing a theory that would fit the modern world in isolation from a theory that would fit, say, the Malthusian world, Unified growth theory attempts to understand the process of development in its entirety. To develop a theory 
a single theory that explained the progression of humanity since the emergence of Homo sapiens 300,000 years ago in Africa till the present. And my viewpoint is that, in fact, uh, economic growth is compatible with uh, environmental preservations, provided that economic growth will be based predominantly on policies that will bring about uh, a fertility decline. So my research on the subject suggests that if, in fact, we can reduce population growth in the world by about 1%, we can have an increase in the growth of income per capita by 7% without changing carbon emission. Namely, policies such as gender equality and, uh, and higher return to human capital that will foster fertility decline can bring about both economic prosperity and at the same time, a decline in carbon emission. The measures that I propose, namely measures that would induce fertility decline is a win-win situation for all societies. It will generate, as I said, higher economic growth, lower carbon emission, and will benefit each individual society. I think that the issue of diversity is very important, and I should clarify that it's a broad notion of diversity. It's mostly cultural diversity. But when we think about diversity and economic development, diversity is associated with conflicting effects on productivity. On the positive side, diversity is associated with cross-fertilization of ideas. And as a result of it, it is beneficial for innovations and beneficial for productivity. So societies that are more diverse are benefiting from complementarity of ideas, cross-fertilization of ideas, more innovations, and more economic development. On the other hand, more diverse societies tend to be less trustful, less in agreement about the desirable public goods, and as a result of it, tend to be more conflicted. So more diverse societies tend to be less cohesive socially. And consequently, this implies that in the course of human history, societies that had a sweet spot level of diversity performed better than otherwise. So one of the important lessons from my book, The Journey of Humanity, is that in order to alleviate inequality across the globe, in order to see greater equality across nations, we have to design policies, predominantly education policies, that will be respectful of the individual country, the geography of this country, the colonial history of this country, and uh, uh, the geographical endowment that is, that is behind the scene. Namely, the argument is that one policy does not fit all nations at once. If you look at the trajectory of each individual country, this trajectory is based on a very particular set of conditions that ultimately generated certain institutions, certain cultural traits. And consequently, if we would like to mitigate inequality, we have to target these elements very profoundly. But suppose that we think about two societies that are residing in different, say, corners of the world. It can be within a continent or across continents. 
And suppose that these societies were exposed to different initial geographical conditions. In one society, crops that are native to the location were conducive to agricultural investment. And consequently, in these societies, people were engaged in planting and ultimately harvesting. Namely, they were engaged in planning for the future. They learn how, in fact, to be future-oriented, how to plant, how to deliver, and how to wait for the harvest. Suppose there is another society in which the geographical conditions are such that they're not conducive for planting and harvesting. And as a result of it, people were not trained by nature to be future-oriented. This implies that these two societies will have different degree of future-oriented minds. One society will be forward-looking and other societies more short-term oriented. And why is it so important? Naturally, future-oriented mindset is associated with education decisions, saving decisions, technological adoption, and economic growth. And consequently, it is really the most important cultural trait in the context of economic development. Making predictions about the future is relatively difficult. Indeed, I'm at the moment engaged in a research agenda that is trying to predict uh, the future pace of technological progress, the future pace of population growth, and the future prosperity of humanity. But the research at the moment is very preliminary. So if I would have to speculate about the trajectory of humanity in the context of the coming century, I think what is really important to note is that we are living in an era in which technology is evolving very rapidly. And rapid technological progress is naturally associated typically with greater inequality in the sense that rapid technological progress requires investment in education. And since not all individuals are investing in education in equal fashion, this is bound to generate inequality in society. In addition, rapid technological progress implies that certain traits are more complementary to the technological environment than otherwise. And therefore, individuals that will have these traits will be much more prosperous than others. And as a result of it, we want to sort of live in a more humane society. We want to live in a more stable society. This implies that we have to design our policies in such a way the two important elements will be emphasized. The first one is equality of opportunity. Namely, we have to assure that each member of society, each individual in society, will be able to fulfill her potential or his potential to a full extent, regardless of the place where you were born, regardless of parental wealth, regardless of the type of education that is present in your location. We have to assure that we have perfect equality of opportunities. This is important morally because, as I said, we will move into an era in which technological progress will reward individuals that are more educated and individuals that have certain skills that are complementary to this environment. And therefore, morally, we would like individuals to have a fair chance to participate in this process. But beyond that, even in terms of economic efficiency, assuring economic equality of opportunity will assure better allocation of talents across occupations 
and greater prosperity in society. So this is one important element in terms of policy. We have to assure equality of opportunities, both because of moral reasons and because of economic efficiency. But in addition, we have to realize that this rapid technological progress, as I said, will complement certain type of traits and not others. And consequently, those individuals that are not as well endowed with these traits should be provided with a safety net that will allow them to flourish within this society. Namely, the society must adopt more humane policies so as to assure that the prosperity is shared more evenly across individual society without preventing the economic incentives from operating as they should. Namely, should maintain economic incentives, but we should be aware of the fact that technological progress will demand certain type of traits and not others. And not all individuals have necessarily these traits. And consequently, we need to be respectful of these individuals. We need to support these individuals without distorting economic incentives. We hope you enjoyed listening to the highlights of this podcast. If you would like to get involved in One Planet Podcast or learn more about environmental projects, click on the subscription button. Thank you for listening.